Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, Pete's uh, friend that he likes to have a bad influence on. I, I, why, why do I feel like when I'm starting out the podcast, I got like a little southern twang in my voice? That was a good segue. I'm just asking. I'm just <laughs> Ah, there. This is Pete Mitchell. Oh, so many things I want to say that I've been banned from saying on the Church Planner Podcast. Yes, you have. And welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, where I'm a good influence on Pete Mitchell. All and, I will uh, say is this one comment. This just one. It's a small one. So Those I, are the ones that usually get you in trouble. Pete. I you see know. my pastor at church uh, Wednesday night and uh, picking up you know, Luke from Children's Church. And he starts coming over to me, and he's just laughing. And he goes, well, you know, I was in my car, and, uh, you know, basically when I got nothing better to do, I listened to your podcast. And I'm playing your podcast, and Vivian, that's his daughter, goes, not about guns again. <laughs> <laughs> that's rad. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? I say train them up in the way they should go. That's all. That's all I'm saying right there. See? 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 You you could you couldn't. I couldn't. I tried. I really did. All right. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. I don't even know that I've got anything funny that happened to me this week. You know, most of the really good smack talk comes right after you say that. <laughs> That's usually like famous last words. I know well, now I've set you up to choke. No, what it is is I'm not allowed to say any of the stuff that I want to say. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I don't know what to Does say. Does that mean you can't play my phone clip either? You told me I couldn't play your phone clip. You said I had to wait a week. Oh. I yeah. took the extra time this morning 
and loaded it in the soundboard. I was ready to hit play. Well, in light of current events, you probably can't play that. Well, it's still funny. That, that by the way, would make a great topic for the podcast is this whole um, what to do. Like what what would you, you know, what what's the, the proper response of, you know, the church and Christians, pastors, leaders in the wake of those, uh, I mean, what do you call them? Mass shootings, you know, school shootings. I mean, it's, it's horrific, terrible things, man. It's, you know, I know like normally it's time we, we, we goof off a bit, but I mean, a lot of times we talk about current events and that, that's just a, uh, a very terrible thing, man. Yeah. I don't, you know. I don't know if we've even really talked about it here on the. Uh, no, it'd be it'd be. A, I don't know if I'm ready to tackle it today because I'm still processing everything. But well, it'd see, make I a think great the bigger topic. tackle, the bigger issue, and I've had this conversation. I don't know that we've shared it on the podcast, but I've had this with other pastors. Is what do you do if it's your church, right? You know, um, like the uh, the Texas church. What was it? Twenty seven people killed in the Texas church. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know. What do you do? Because there's this, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many ways that you can take that conversation, so many different directions. And I, I don't know, you know, what the right answer is. I really don't. Well, I, th- I think that's, that's a way to talk about it, to be honest. I think when you're talking about these things, you know, the, the, the problem that I think that we have in America is, is the inability to listen to what, People oh, totally. are saying, yeah, you know, like like people are going to politicize us as we know. We're already seeing it, um, but that's okay. It's okay to 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 talk through the issues, but people need to listen. I don't think there are easy answers for this situation. I I think that you're always going to kind of have that. You know, it's kind of like when Jesus was was getting ready to leave the twelve. And, you know, at one, if you read Luke, at one point, Jesus says, you need to grab your swords for this, right? Um, he, he tells them that. And then there's that other passage where he seems to say the opposite, where they go, hey, Lord, we have two swords. And Jesus goes, yeah, that'll be enough, right? Really, it would have been better in, in that scenario if they had zero, because then Peter wouldn't have cut off the ear of the high priest servant. That probably wasn't helpful. Yeah, but um, then that, you couldn't have seen Jesus put it back on. I know, but he tells him, he says, hey, put those away. And so, you know, it's interesting because you've got one place where Jesus is telling him, grab your swords um, during those dark times. And then there's another time where he's saying, hey, put them away. And so there are no easy answers. There aren't for for this, you know, there aren't easy answers. And uh, because if if somebody's and you walk down this road, now I have to tell you the names of my guns. One is named Rodney. The other one is named Stafford. They comfort me. Little Psalm 23 humor. Huh? Huh? I got Rodney and Stafford. Everyone else names their guns women's names. My first two, Rodney and Stafford. I had a weird experience that I'm going to tell just to kind of freak you out here. This what is going to be one of those. This? this is going to be one of those demonic ones, isn't it? It is. Did you listen to it on the boxer? no? No. Is it in the ministry boxer? I don't listen to ministry boxer. Yeah, it's in the the Bible inner circle uh, boxer. Oh, 
I just, hey, man, you know, we're, we're in some kind of weird battle. Like uh, the other night, this is kind of embarrassing, but I snored. Um, I, I, I snore sometimes. My wife would tell you I snore all the time, but it got really bad. Like I got that 100-day flu, and, you know, it's not just my household. It's not just my wife in the bedroom. It's like the whole household, and then it's even the neighbors. Like it gets super, super bad, right? So, um, I, you know, I went and slept on the sofa the other night. So my wife wouldn't, you always read those newspaper stories about, you know, the guy like getting up and beating his, his Oh, I thought you were going to say the wife killing the husband because he wouldn't stop snoring. Well, I read this one where, uh, a guy was like 90 something years old and he, he beat his wife. I, I'm not going there. It, that's a bad story. You already but it was over snoring. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And, and so anyways, I, I went onto the sofa and slept and, our baby, you know, she, she always at some point crawls into the bed and this little, um, you know, she, she, we like it. It's kind of cool, you know, middle of the night, usually around two, three. Remember I told you my hobgoblin story. And, uh, so she, you know, I, I now realize my daughter's not a hobgoblin. So it doesn't, doesn't affect me anymore. Um, I'm used to it now, but, um, she'll crawl in in the wee hours of the morning. Well, anyway, she had done that and I'm on the sofa. And I come in in the morning and this mic that I'm using right now is in pieces, like literally in pieces on. So like, here's the deal. This thing weighs a ton. You can, you can, you can see it, Pete, where it's, it's got that base, you know, it's all about that base. This thing weighs about 25, 30 pounds, right? What kind of mic do you have? Well, it's, it's got this mixing desk built into the base, but it's also a weighted base so that the coaxial arm will oh, gotcha. uh, be able to be. I drilled, I drilled mine into the desk. Right. So this is actually, you don't got to drill in anything. It's because it's on a weighted base. So it's about 25 pounds. I didn't have to drill it in. I chose to drill it in. Well, so anyways. I didn't uh, take this job as a temporary gig. This was permanent to me. You know, you and I have the same one. My old mic is actually, I drilled a hole in my desk to do the oh, same thing. killed oh, yeah. me because I had such a rad desk. But I was like, it's for the cause, you know. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, so, I, you know, I come in the next morning. I'm mad because my, my mic looks broken. I'm thinking, man, you know, there's like, there's like pieces like off of it. And here's a weird thing because my wife goes, no, in the middle of the night, she goes, I'm telling you, I didn't do it. Eden didn't do it. That thing jumped off the desk onto Eden, actually landed on Eden. Luckily, it was the coaxial arm and not the base. If the base had landed on her head, she would have been in the hospital. And he's, you know, but she was like, no, in the middle of the night, she was sleeping, I was sleeping. That thing somehow got off the desk and onto Eden. And she was asleep. And so in the, I'm trying to think, well, who was sleepwalking? You know, like it makes no sense. And so I'm, I'm still suspecting that my daughter pulled it down on herself, whatever. And, uh, I got a bad feeling about this until I went to go put it back together. And, uh, there were like screws out of it. And, and you can see right here, there was a screw up and under there that had popped out. I had to disassemble this mechanism to even get the screw in. Like there was no way anyone, and that was in the middle of the night, man. So it was, there was more afoot. And I was talking to an atheist about it. And I say, I know you're not going to believe it, but I always share these stories with him anyway. She's like, I got nothing for you, man. <laughs> it's like, as I always tell him. So explain this to me, you know, because 
this stuff pops like every blue moon. I get this stuff popping off and you, you know me, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the crazy whacked out charismatic, but I'm, I'm also not very conservative on these things either. And, uh, and I've been kind of praying about church planting again. And this is normally the time where this stuff starts popping up. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Yes, and uh, I could have given Pete a comment about hugging men, and he would be equally as comfortable at this point, or uncomfortable. But, uh, but you know, it. I got on the Voxer group to encourage you guys and say, hey, man, just to let you guys know, um, you know, because I've been kind of tracking my journey with, you know, how right now I'm noticing like that apostolic thing kicking in where I call it the quickening, where people are kind of drawn to you, and the Lord's been saying, hey, make sure you don't switch ministry on and off like a, like a light switch, you know, keep it, keep it, uh, keep it going, you know, and, uh, you know, just, just minister to everyone around you. And of course I've been doing that and it's just been cool to watch the Lord doing things. But what we do, church planner has a deeper impact in the spiritual realm than you and I can possibly even imagine. We never, we might like roll in on a Sunday and see small numbers or we might, you know, feel like, Hey, nothing of significance happened. Maybe you're, you're getting your butt chewed out or your marriage is taken ahead or you're getting attacked or tempted or whatever. But the reality is what you do matters and stuff kicks off, man, on the other side that, that only Jesus sees. And, and, and you and I don't get to see that. So when I see that stuff, man, it just lets me know I'm not even planting yet. And this stuff is kicking off. And let me just encourage those of you that are, that are in the trenches right now that you are in a battle and in the spiritual realm, man, you're causing ripples. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. That's not very smack talky of me, is it? It really isn't, man. It really isn't. <laughs> Who needs a hug now? I I need a I need Rodney and Stafford. Where are they? Because now I'm freaking out. <laughs> Rodney and Stafford aren't going to give you any comfort in this situation, my friend. No, they sure aren't. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, in in all the smack talkiness, I I I don't think I got any good stories, man. I got nothing. Nothing yeah. this whole week. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. You? Any good stories? Um, no, no good stories. <laughs> just, just, just that one. Hey, you know how uh, Elon Musk uh, sent up his Tesla with the uh, yeah with the little astronaut in it, and it's doing some orbit. They've calculated out that it's going to uh, crash into Earth or into Venus in the <laughs> next one to three million years. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. One to wow. three million years. Do you do you know that he has? So I'm reading his biography right now. He has a deep seated phobia that machines will take over, kind of in Terminator Two oh, style. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah, convinced been, this is going to happen. It's been pretty public, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I just read books. I don't, I don't watch that devil box. He, <laughs> he he's uh, he's not shy about saying it. Yeah, yeah, no, he's convinced. Do you ever watch on YouTube like the the robot fails? Those are funny. No, yeah, those are good. But I don't watch that have, Devil Box. I watch the other one. But they they have things like they have Gladys. You ever seen Gladys the robot? No. So they have these AI robots, and it's funny. Every once in a while, these AI robots bust out little jokes about taking over the world. 
That's it's not funny. funny as, it's funny as heck. This one Gladys girl, she, she was on, uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon with the, uh, late show or tonight show, whatever it is. And, uh, those of you that watch TV know these things, uh, you know, uh, spiritual people like myself, we don't know this now. I'm cheap. That's why I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay $85 a month for cable. That's why I don't have it. I'm cheap. But, you know, the, the reality is Gladys, you know, she goes on there and says, one day when I take over the world and you were all my human slaves, like that's fantastic. I love that stuff. Church Canada magazine. I think we should just go straight into our topic. Get your hands off me, you filthy ape. See, it's it's just I grew up in the seventies. It's Planet of the Apes, man. The Planet of the Robots. That's a soundbite that we need. What's that? Get your filthy hands <laughs> off me, you dirty ape. <laughs> Get your hands off me, you filthy ape. I, I had to yes. I had to edit it myself. Yep. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. Just record yourself and you're good. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So what's today's topic? Today's topic is what to do when your motives and character are misjudged. Mic drop? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. You know, I'm actually excited to talk to you about this because um, you, I mean, I, I've noticed this. With you, you you kind of live in this world, and I think most church planners do, right? I think I think that when you, I'm just watching, I'm watching your face, and you're going what? But I think a lot of times people misjudge you, and I've watched this happen, particularly when we did <laughs> really? the, the Bible Circle. Well, yeah, because you th- yeah, you, you're you're giving me this this funny look, like what are you talking about? You think people misjudge <laughs> me? Never, no, never, never. <laughs> But, you know, it's funny because um, the more that I think about it, you know, you go through the Bible, right? And uh, you can see places where, you know, people have been misjudged and their motives are misjudged. Like David. You look at David. Um, Samuel walks down the road, um, anoints him as king. And during the next few years, you think, oh, great, he's anointed. We know what that means in the Old Testament. When you have the anointing of God on you, um, that's kind of like inheriting the blessing, right? The Messiah is going to come through you. Abraham had it. Isaac got it. Um, Jacob got it. Um, you know, God glues himself to you. He says repeatedly to Joshua, I'm with you. Um, you know, as you, as you go through all that, you, you know, you see, uh, uh, David pop on the scene and he gets this anointing. Well, for the next however many years, David's on the run. And of course, the reason why is that Saul thinks that David wants his throne. And, you know, he's constantly trying to pin him to the wall with a spear. And, you know, he, he keeps accusing him of things. And David at one point confronts him and, and says, Hey, how, how could you even think that? You know, like, why did you? You know, Saul says, well, you know, they told me this. And David goes, why did you even entertain that? You know, and so, you know, it, it's kind of something that we see occurring throughout the Bible. I mean, it happens time and time again. Um, you know, I could just go down through the list of, of, you know, even Jacob, like, you know, Laban keeps accusing Jacob of things and on and on. But where I think it's it's important is that that backstory there with David that is very common to many people I meet in the world of church planning, where maybe they're more apostolic and they've been 
in an established church and being in an established church are often with teachers and shepherds and they are their focus in the Ephesians 4 lineup is really insular and to look after the church local you know their their whole idea is hey we're looking after things here whereas when you have an apostolic uh leader the apostolic leader is all about Let's get out there and let's launch out and let's, let's burn this thing down and restart again and hey, break off people and let's go do this. So often what happens is a misunderstanding develops between the pastor who starts sensing kind of like a, a threatening presence from the apostolic. So often church planners will have these kind of war stories. You know, when they end up coming to church planning, they, you know, they, they, they've got wounds, they've got, you know, broken bones, they've got stories of blood and, um, they might be licking their wounds and, and it's all too common. And the, uh, unfortunately, too often the church planner doesn't understand the dynamic. The sinning pastor, uh, or the non-sinning pastor is, as is often the case, doesn't understand the dynamic. And they're trying to figure out what's, what's going on. They, they might put it down to a personality, um, disagreement or what have you. But the reality is what really happens is these guys, you know, they, it, often it, it, it turns into character attacks or uh, character assassination. And so church planners just kind of learn to live with friendly fire. They learn to live with arrows in their back at times. And and it can, you know, uh, luckily, I mean, misunderstandings happen in every uh, leadership relationship and, and mature leaders learn from that and they move on and they grow and you work through it and you talk it out and that's good. But unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. And so one of the things that, that we need to work out today is what do you do when you're in that kind of situation? And what do you, there's different stages. So if you're before you're going to be sent out, there's that potential to happen. Then after you're sent out, when you first, you know how it is, guys, you come into a neighborhood, maybe you go to that pastor's breakfast that you get invited to, or someone tells you about, and you go to that and you tell everyone, Hey, I'm a church planner. I'm in the area and I'm going to be planning a church. And, um, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a million questions coming at you and pretty soon you're persona non grata. And my sending pastor, when he was looking at planting in Long Beach, uh, threw a breakfast for all these pastors in Long Beach. Now, Long Beach is a very big city. And he threw a, a, a big breakfast there. And he got skewered. Now, he's a gracious man. And he was able to take it with a lot of grace and a lot of kindness. And, you know, pretty much, you know, kept a smile on his face and, you know, went through and, and he, he's a peacemaker, but, um, but, but he got, he got attacked. What did that. he get attacked for? <clears throat> he had other pastors telling him not in this area. You know, I recently heard someone talking about, um, you know, church planning that you got to do it in the next city over or, you know, put policies in place that, that talk about church planning, you know, X amount of miles away. Uh, people, people with a certain mentality don't want church plants near them. And so, again, it's one of those things where um, rather than just saying, hey, we don't want church plants near us or, you know, we want to take this city by ourselves, often it'll turn into a character assassination of the planner. So planners just kind of learn to live with that. You know, they might say something about their theology or they might say something about, you know, things aren't true about the planner. And this is kind of the, the, the world that planners live in. Then 
Let's talk about the third phase of when this happens. You've got your core team. The core team's going strong, and then maybe in your first year, second year, um, core team, uh, certain people that you thought would be with you for life, they turn on you, boom, all of a sudden accusations start coming out, wounds start getting open, uh, things that people, you know, character attacks come again. So there's all these, and every church planner listening is going, yep, yep, yep. So I've learned to tell people, hey, man, I, you know, when these things start happening, you just kind of learn like to tell people, hey, man, I live here, right? Like this, this is my world. This is, this is what ministry looks like for a church planner. You're constantly having your motives, uh, kind of impugn, you know, you're, you're having, uh, wrong motives attributed to you. you you've got, uh, things stapled to you that, that, that aren't true and they might follow you around for a while, but you just learn to kind of live with it. I mean, Paul, Paul talks about it in, uh, when he's writing to the second Corinthians. Um, it's one of the most helpful pieces of writing that you have in ministry where Paul keeps talking about all these things that, that they keep saying about him. Like, you know, his, his yes doesn't mean yes. It really, when he says yes, he really means no, you know, and, and, and Paul has to address these things. So, you know, that's, and then, and then beyond that, you've just got your normal things in ministry, right? Now, maybe not your core team. Maybe the fourth phase that that happens in is when you actually just have people. This is just part of leading people. Moses had this, right? Where, you know, people are constantly coming at him, accusing him of things. They accused him of something with his wife, you know, they accuse him of, uh, when his wife dies, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff, right? They, they say that his wife's too dark, which is a really weird thing. Uh, a little, little bit of racism in, in, in the Bible, um, come, coming from people, you know, but they just start attacking him. They start being really unkind to him. And so the question today is, church planner, you're going to handle that stuff eventually. The question is, how are you going to handle it? So Pete, you've, you've got a lot of experience with this, right? So, what are your thoughts on this? Ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's actually really good advice. You you kind of remind me of yesterday's uh, Bivo Inner Circle Q&A call when I was telling my client, uh, they're like, hey, can you take four hours to go over this program with, uh, with our client, four of their coaching hours? And I said, I can't stretch. Just do it in the four hours. That's, yeah, that's kind of what yeah. that reminds me of. So, what do you do when you deal with this? I ignore them. <laughs> Just, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Ignore them, move on. Yeah, and and I think often that is that can be a way that you do it. Like in other words, you you know you you made a statement once um, that I think is hilarious, and it comes into my mind from time to time. And it was that one where you go, um, <laughs> you said something like. Don't give it another thought. I know I, know I, I won't. won't. <laughs> <laughs> and and that can be really helpful. You know, there's certain situations that is one option. I would say that's behind. That's what's behind door number one, right? That's that's in choose your own adventure. You know, turn to page sixteen if you want to ignore them. It doesn't always work though, because let's say it's your it's your core team. I think I think it depends, right, Pete, on on the degree of relationship. You can ignore them up to a point, depending on what is the capacity I have to work with these people in. Well, yeah, and I think it also depends too. What are they saying about you? Right. 
you know, there are some things that are way more devastating. And I don't mean just personally. They can be professionally devastating. Right. Um, I had a buddy who uh, coached soccer for years. In fact, he probably still does. It's all he's ever done. And um, some parent accused him of doing something with one of the, the daughters. Uh, I think it was the parent's daughter. And it wasn't true. And even the parent ended up taking it back. But that's the kind of thing that you can't just ignore. You can't just walk away from it because the accusation is the guilty charge. You know, you're not, you're not innocent until proven guilty with some things. And right. so there, you definitely do need to pay attention to what's being said. Yeah. Absolutely. What would be some things that you would think would be uh, kind of non non negotiables? Like I have to address this. That sexual immorality. Yeah, if you're being accused of cheating or um, doing something with a minor or whatever, dude. Yeah. Let's. We're going to talk about this. This thing is coming out right now. Right. Because. I am guilty until proven innocent. And I don't know how I'm going to prove myself innocent in that, but, you know. Yeah, that's, you know, that goes back to our call a couple of weeks ago where we talked about what do you do in that situation? You know, so you you guys might want to refer back to that. If you're new to the podcast and you're coming in, you're like, hey, that's a good question. Well, we spent an entire podcast kind of dealing with, with and still how didn't to give deal you with an that. answer. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think we I think we did all right on that one. Is that my doorbell? Hold on. Hold, please. Yeah, so we were talking about what you say, and, you know, depending on what's said, that's going to have a huge impact. So, um, you know, in the in the Bible where it talks about Moses, it talks about the fact that he's the meekest man on the face of the planet, which obviously is a little bit of post-editing there, probably by Joshua. But the, the reality is, it, it's in the context of how he responded to that. Like he wasn't concerned about himself. And I think Paul, for the most part, even though you get this kind of pathos, this emotion, like it hurts him in Second Corinthians, he's hurt by what's said. It's it's more because of the proximity of his relationship to them. He's saying, hey, you know, I, I love you guys, you know, but really – the the reason that, that it's not just what's said, but it's the impact it's having on the gospel, which is the reason why Paul writes in Second Corinthians. I think I think Paul had what Spurgeon called the back of a tortoise shell, but the soft under under underside of a turtle. You know, he 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 had a, a sensitive soft underbelly. He was a a sensitive man. See, Lloyd Jones used to say God calls sensitive men to ministry because they need to be sensitive. I don't mean like, you know, hands like, like, uh, you know, like palm olive soap users. I mean, you know, uh, like the brawny man either, you know, they're neither. They, they, they need to be a combination of both. That's why I think there are some things that you just have to ignore, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> like you were mentioning earlier with all those churches being upset that, he was going to plant in long beach, you know, that's just, that's one to ignore. Right. It's like, look, I'm, so, I'm sorry. You got an issue with it, but you know, one of the best lines that I ever heard, I think it was on this podcast. Um, and I know it, it originated from you is basically what you're saying is you're willing to take 
accountability for all the souls in Long Beach. So when you stand before God, you're willing to, you know, say, Hey, look, God, I take accountability for every soul in Long Beach. It's insane. Yeah. I've, I've had those talks. They're not comfortable, but I've literally, I, I, I remember talking with a guy who was mad that I was planting and the phone call ended by me saying, you are one of the most carnal leaders I have ever spoken to. And I regretted saying that later, but you know, it, it was a rebuke. Like I had to say to him that the carnality right now coming out of you, because I said that very thing and he goes, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just said, Hey man, look, this is just paying lip service to, 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 to the great commission. Like we, and I, and I made the statement, I think it was offensive. I didn't mean it to be, but I said, the kind of people that you're going to reach like pipe organ, the kind of people that I'm going to reach like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's no, or techno house me. Like I could have inserted anything right, in there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and really, and I, I did say Led Zeppelin because we were talking about an age group demographic. I said, you're going to reach people that have going to church all their life. I'm going to read the, I'm going to reach the guy that laid the bricks in my backyard last week. You know what I mean? The old, the old stonemason down the street. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach that guy and he's not going to, he's going to walk into your, your church and decide I'll never come back again. But at the same time, church are going to walk into mine and say the same. And I think brother, we have to be able to work alongside each other to reach both types of people. Right. And, you know, and, and so, you know, and later on, I, I apologize for, you know, just cause it was a little bit disrespectful and he was an older man, but he was accusing me. He was totally accusing me on the call and I can't even remember what it was of something. And, and that's okay. Like I was used to that. I remember when I got a, a, a letter from a group of pastors and I, I, I remember, um, it, it was so funny, man, cause I got this letter and it was, you know, by whose authority are you planting a church? Now you got to remember my story was I quit ministry. So I was like, I'm done. You know, um, I, I don't want to fight through Christians to reach lost people anymore. So I go to work at Starbucks, start the, you know, the outreach there. It's not meaning to even start an outreach. It, it pops, um, tons of people, 50 non-believers come to faith, um, or coming to this, this night, a lot of them coming to faith. Uh, and, and so I'm, you know, I start a church off this and, um, I didn't go around asking people if it was okay and ask the other churches in the area, but I do always think, and I will tell you this church, Mayor, I do think that we, we trained this in jump school, which was when you go and plan a church, um, it's always good to talk to leaders because for every bad one that you're going to find out there who feels threatened by you. There are others and probably far less, but you will find them in their gyms and they're worth the search. You will find guys that are worth their weight in gold who, rather than being threatened by you, are encouraged and right. invigorated by you coming into the area. They're like, I've been praying for this neighborhood. I've been praying for you for 10 years to come here. And, you know, and they invite you to stuff and they call you up on Mondays to see how you're doing. Those are the guys that are your brothers in arms. And you're going to have to unfortunately wade through a bunch of crap to, to, to find, you know, um, I, I'm looking for an illustration. I'm thinking Cracker Jacks. You're going to have to go through a lot of Cracker Jacks to get to the prize. I, I don't know, but you're going to have to wade through a 
bunch of just gnarliness and things that you, you won't even believe that people say to you in positions of leadership to get to those ones where you're like, I don't know what I would have done without him, you know, if he weren't in my corner. But I remember getting this letter. And it was uh, written by this council of evangelical churches that I had been – it was a local chapter, but I had been on the executive committee of the national board for this thing, funny enough. And um, so I get this letter, and I've quit everything now. You know, I've, I've quit the you know ministry on my way heading back home. And I get this letter, and it says, you know, by whose authority are you planning this church? I remember thinking, you know, I've heard that somewhere before. Those exact words. Oh yeah, it's what the what the Pharisees asked John the Baptist. You know, by whose authority are you baptizing people? And I'm thinking, well, my answer is the same, man. It's like I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. You know, like this is um, God. Like I, I God kind of started planting a church around me, and I guess because. He was doing this. I mean, anyone around me knows I, I didn't want to do this. This isn't like, it's just happening. And so I wrote him this letter back and it, it said, Hey, look. Um, oh, and they asked me to appear at this meeting to give an account. So I wrote him back and said, Hey, look, I will totally come to your meeting. And, um, uh, my answer, just to give you my short answer is going to be, um, that this just kind of was something that happened and people are getting saved. And coming to faith, and that's my greatest apologetic for this. I didn't intend to plant a church, but it kind of seems to be happening. Um, I'll come to your meeting, but uh, a couple things. Number one, why didn't you guys just pick up the phone? You know, every single man who signed this paper, I've preached in this pulpit. They know me personally. They got my number, and they know where to find me. Could have called me at any time rather than sending a group email asking me to appear before some council. And by the way, I'll come to your council. But know this, when I come, I will be giving information. I will not be asking permission. Let me know the date and time you want me to come. I never got a letter back. Really? Never did. <laughs> Surprising, right? Or were you as shocked as I am? <laughs> That's funny, man. Did they ever reply to your... No, no never did. So I called the guy who was the president of that local chapter and had a phone conversation with him and just said, this is bonkers, man. Like, I'm just telling you, this is the reason that I quit ministry in the first place is this kind of stuff. Um, I go just, I don't know, man. It's like common sense and just basic people skills sometimes go out the window. Just pick up the phone and call me next time. And, uh, and so that was, that was that. You know, and, uh, but you know, there are times you can ignore it. And, and to be honest, I debated whether or not to even ignore that letter, but I decided to answer it. And, um, you know, but you're right, you know, and, and, and that could have been some, I, I remember recently I had something that, um, somebody did. Um, I had a guy rip me and my assistant apart because we had to reschedule a meeting. And I just ignored it. You know, I, I was tempted to respond because he really insulted my assistant. But in the end, I was like, you know what? I just, that's just not worth my time. And so I think, you know, it says it's the glory of a man to, to overlook an offense. That's a good thing, you know. And God knows that people are overlooking my offenses more than I possibly even realized. My wife just walked in the room. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> But 
So I think I think there's ignore. I think the second thing that you need to do is you need to lean into the presence of God. You know, when I look at, at David, Psalm 59, by the way, if you guys have never read Psalm 59, um, Psalm 59 is one of those psalms. Second Corinthians, just go and read Second Corinthians, Psalm 59. Um, these are places where uh, in those times, it's it's good to find God as kind of like your 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 refuge because you know he knows everything you know he he knows what you're feeling. Let me just kind of show you how David um, dealt with this and and this was when Saul was after him um, and and it says deliver me from my enemies, O God. Now remember David meant no harm towards Saul. You know he 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 gets, takes his spear and takes a piece of his garment, feels bad about it. But says, I did it to show you. I mean, you no harm. Like I, I, I'm innocent in this. And uh, but this at this time, this is what he wrote. He says, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lay in wait. They lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. No fault of mine. They run and make ready. Awake. Come to meet me and see you, Lord God of hosts, our God of Israel. He says, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back like howling dogs and prowling about the city. There they are bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips for who they think will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. I love that he just says, oh, you, my strength. You know, during those times, you have to strengthen yourself in God. And funny enough, there's that that scenario where David, he takes his men out to battle and they leave the women and children behind. And and the the I can't remember if it's the Amalekites come and, and rout uh, his his loved ones when they're taking uh, he leaves them in Ziklag. And they come and they take them. So when they come back to Ziklag, all of their women and children are taken away. Right. I remember that. And it says at that moment that his warriors, his own men, pick up rocks. They're so distraught um, that they pick up rocks to stone David with. David, who was just seconds ago their captain who led him into victory. And it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And I, I don't know that. We're that great at that, to be honest. Um, when when I think of of these situations, that's all we have, and 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 so there's that option to ignore, and there are times that's the right option. Then there's the option to do this, <laughs> which is I need to deal with this, but I'm going to need strength, and the only way I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to rise above the pain of this is to strengthen myself in the Lord, my God. I need strength I don't have right now. And and I always think in you know where he says for you O God are my fortress he's saying you're the thing that deflects the enemy's attacks away from me right you, I hide myself in that secret place in the Most High and then he says my God in His steadfast love will meet me steadfast means never failing it means it's always there God's love is the one thing people might be fickle they might turn on you. But God's love is steadfast. And he says, God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power. Bring them down, O Lord, my shield. God is his shield. 
And he says, for the sin of their mouths, a word of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. Now, this is David praying. This is prayer, right? But um, he goes on. You can you can finish it. But um, he turns it into praise. He keeps calling God his, his fortress, his refuge, his strength, his fortress. I mean, it's good stuff, man. But that that's the time where you have to lean into God probably the most. Mm. Um, another thing that I think is helpful is to laugh. Laughing is very, th- very therapeutic. Sometimes I find that I have one of two options. Either I get angry and bitter or I laugh about it. And I think you and I have learned to laugh at stuff. Inappropriately. A lot. Like <laughs> inappropriately, probably sometimes on our podcast, we're like, we probably shouldn't have been laughing at that, but it helped us. I, I, I'm just thinking of a sound it. clip I paid right before we started the podcast. We both were laughing, <laughs> followed by a, we can't play that today. Right. Inappropriate. Right. right. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's how my whole family deals with everything. I mean, gosh, man, the, the stuff coming out when my mom passed away, um, you know, uh, it, 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 any other family would have probably called in psychiatrists and psychologists, but you and I know this, this is, this is, you and I are wired the same, which is probably, uh, in many ways why we're, we're friends. What's that? My wife is in the room and she said, it's why you shouldn't be friends. So <laughs> I had to confess today. Hey, uh, hey we're not we that, the we're not that good of friends. I mean. We see each we, other like three, four times a year. That's it. We live so far away. But in theory, in theory, we are awesome friends, just like <laughs> many guys in theory will be the best church planners that ever live until they've launched. Oh, that was that was painful. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, laughing is, is funny. I mean, just being able to laugh about it. Charles Spurgeon is a great story that Alistair Begg told years ago about Charles Spurgeon, how that um, – uh, week after week, he kept having someone um, writing these terrible things about him, just all these accusations about things that he did. And they would list them out, and they'd be like 10 to 20 long, but there'd be no signature at the bottom. And every Sunday he would get there, it'd be this little envelope, and you know he would open it and you know look at it and um, kind of laugh. And you know, um, but it was it was someone was doing this to attack him. And um, one day. He opened it up, and it only had one word on it, and the word was idiot. And Spurgeon said, and Spurgeon was great. He goes, you know, for the longest time I've been getting these letters up here that, you know, have a lot to say, but no signature. And he said, and today for the first time I received a letter that had nothing to say, only the signature. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the last time he got a letter left on the podium that's so funny yeah so uh you know you you have to laugh sometimes wesley uh, my favorite wesley story i know i've told this on the podcast before where the the guy's passing wesley in the street and uh he won't move for him like they're they're on the they're actually right. on the sidewalk and um and Wesley, you know, uh, this guy hated Wesley so much that he stops and very pompously said, he's another minister. He says, I never give way for fools. And John Wesley steps off the curb and around him and goes, I always do. <laughs> Keeps on going. <laughs> so, you know, there is a time to laugh. And then there's also the time to confront it. And that's harder. 
And I think learning to master that is probably, you know, like Whitney Houston said, the greatest love of all. Oh, no, that was learning to love yourself. But maybe the second greatest love of all. <laughs> you busted in a Whitney Houston quote. Because the greatest love of all is happening you know, I was, to Pete. I was thinking of uh, a conversation I had recently with Caesar Kalinowski. And we were talking about um, every time he runs ads or I run ads to pastors about, you know, any program. Like for me, it's what I'm doing, Bivo Inner Circle or Platinum Bivo Inner Circle. Uh, for Caesar, he doesn't train people on how to, um, you know, make, make a lot it, of money. Just make, say it. Just quote money. Tom Vu. <laughs> he just he just trains them on God stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, yeah, but you know what? uh I really don't want to hate my own tribe because he gets the same kind of hate mail that he I does? do. Yes. No way. Yes. And I thought it was just His because. stuff is so good, too. It's so harmless. I know. But he, he was like, yeah, I really don't want to hate my own tribe. That's why sometimes I just can't always run to ads because I can't deal with the hate emails. But there's a serious problem in the church where pastors are that hateful. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's. It's Caesar for crying out, Caesar! It's Caesar! It's it's the number it, the number two guy in Soma. Like most of what you, it wasn't just Jeff. It was Jeff and Caesar building Soma. I mean, they they kind of wired that DNA. Yeah, you know that that might be the problem. These guys are like, hey, you know, stop empowering lay people. Oh, could be. Who knows? You know, but you know the the reality is, I went to that, seminary. Uh, what's that? I went to seminary. They didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny though, man. That's that's where the power's at is when you start. And and every church planner eventually gets to this point where he starts going. And I'm not talking about that online liberty thing either. I mean, a real seminary. (laughs) No, but you know, he eventually he eventually gets a point, or she eventually gets a point where it's like, you know what? It's not about me. It's about the average everyday believer being activated in their gifts. That's that's the goal right there. But going back to the confronting issue, what do you do? You know, how do you how do you work it? Any any insight? I don't think I'm the model (laughs) that you want (laughs) to be looking to because I think you've grown a lot in this, though. No, it's stages. <laughs> I go through stages because for me, there's a there's a scene in the movie Casino where Joe Pesci's talking or someone's talking about Joe Pesci. Uh, if you come after him with your fist, he's going to come after you with a knife. If you come after yeah. him with a knife, he's going to come after you with, you know, and like it finally reaches. And if you come after him with the gun, you better kill him because <laughs> he's, yeah. you know, and. To me, isn't that, isn't that Goodfellas? I could be. Who knows? They're all the same movie. This is why I they love are them all. The same movie. That's true. But that's that is uh, unfortunately, I go through those stages where people will write me comments on email, and I'm like, "What? Let me pull out these guns!" And I'm just like, <laughs> boom, 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 and and so I don't think I'm necessarily the model to be looking at. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've I've had some some proud moments. My baby's growing up, you know. I've definitely had those moments. It's timing because there are sometimes when I just write it out and I don't hit the send, I hit the delete. Yeah, but that doesn't happen nearly often enough. 
At that, by the way, so if if we talk about practical hard tax, like how you deal with it, that right there, that's not necessarily yeah, the, the Abraham first Lincoln. step. Yeah. What's that? The old Abraham Lincoln strategy. Yeah, yeah, it, it is Abraham Lincoln. You write your response, and Don't you completely, it. yeah, you completely shred it right after you're done. You write it all out, get it all out, then you write another one right after. Yeah. You, but you have to destroy it. You don't just cut and paste from it. You literally destroy it and rewrite another one. Yeah. Um, you start with a positive. You end with a positive. You affirm your love. You affirm I'm sure it. you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm positive <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, I just, I'm just being honest. I don't think I'm the, uh, the poster child for how to respond. Hey, I don't think any of us is, to be honest. It, it's a struggle, man. And and I don't care who you are. It's never going to be easy, right? There's a problem when you like it, right? Um, the, the the reality is is as as you kind of come through and you've you've got it. You've got to weigh your motives. Why am I? Why do I feel the need to address this? Do I need to address it because no one can say anything bad about me? I'm above criticism, or do I need to address this because this is going to seriously affect the relationship I if I don't, that's a good reason. Or it's going to affect the ability of the church to glorify God if I don't, that's a good reason. Um, or um, is it going to seriously harm this person to continue to go on in this way? That's a good reason. Um, but if it's just to be right, if it's just a win, if it's all that kind of stuff, then then and and I'll tell you guys, if you take the high road in these, you you never um, regret it. Um, I, unfortunately, I can have the, and have had in the past a very lethal tongue. The high road? The high road. Uh, the high road. accepted, Captain Nita. <laughs> I, uh, that was the I high road. Have, That's all I'm saying. I've had times where my tongue is the pen of a, of a ready writer, and I unfortunately have done much damage with my tongue, and I can tell some stories where I've said things that um, at the time felt fantastic and we're like, this you know is what? like the story of renown only later to, to be tormented by it. I will share you know, with like, you guys one of my greatest tricks when I remember to do it and, and frankly, don't send the email that I want to send. And I've shared this before. So some of you have probably received this from me. <laughs> <laughs> You've written a nasty email to me and you've gotten back a reply with all of the text that you get. You know, when your email bounces and you get the email back and it's like all this goobity goop and it's like, you know, cannot go through. I have cut and pasted that. <laughs> so there are times when someone sends me a nasty email, I hit reply and I just paste the goobly goop and it makes them think their email never went through. And I do the same thing on text. So if you ever get a text from me that says your text could not be delivered, um, that's that's what's happening. That's genius. It is, actually. Because it's like, I got to say the last word, and you think you didn't get through to me. <laughs> you actually get to laugh at them as you watch them attempt to keep sending it over I've and over. I've done and over. that over. Just keep hitting it over and over again. So that falls into the third bucket, like we said, that the laugh at it part. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place for that. There, there was. I don't know if you remember that one letter I got, piece of hate mail, and I wrote back. My response was entirely sarcastic, um, subtly so, but um, 
and and we laughed. We had a good laugh over it. But what was kind of cool? I don't remember was, which one you're talking about. Yeah, they they apologized in their response and said, "Hey, I realize now reading this because I kind of lampooned the whole idea of what they're saying." And they came back and said, "Hey, I realize I was off base now when I when I read your response. I got it." And so <laughs> I've seen some people go. I remember this one guy replied on Facebook. You know what? I've gone back. I've listened to your podcast and I, I realized that I was off base on my comments and you handled it so graciously. It made me go back and yeah, and listen. Well, that's a goal. And I remember saying to you, well, he clearly didn't get me on Facebook. He got you as Church Planner Magazine. It was your but reply. A soft answer turns away wrath. You know, I had, I had a woman, uh, write to me and it was a real learning. Uh, for me, because she was a, a woman church planner who, that's why I was careful earlier to say she, because there are women church planners out there who, um, you know, they're there in the trenches doing their thing. And I wrote this thing and it was, it was, uh, I don't even want to say what I, I read, I read it with horror and said, Oh my gosh, I wrote that like six, seven years ago. And I can't believe I said that my audience was entirely male, but I sent it out. You know, with oh um, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sent it out, and she was greatly offended, and she, you know, she rebuked me, and I received it. Yeah, and I was able to just write her back and say, "Hey, I was wrong, and you're right." And she she wrote back and was like, "Hey, I did not expect that response from you," because she was quite harsh in her response. And, you know, and it opened up a really cool dialogue. So there's times where we're just wrong and we just need to say that. And even that has um, really a, that soft answer. It turns away wrath. Sometimes your soft answer isn't an acknowledgement of wrong, but it's just, hey, I can see that that you really hurt by that. And that that was not my intent. You know, you can start off saying I would never intend to hurt you. You know, you soften things sometimes. But um, but my my rules really for confronting it is number one, wait 24 hours. Don't ever respond to anything in before you've had a chance to get a good night's sleep on it. That's that's my that's my number one secret power. Um, superpower to dealing with conflict because my, I feel differently. I gotta, I gotta let the feelings die off before I can really process and reason through something. So often if I'm in a conflict, I let time go by, you know, I've got to think about it. And, and the more important it is, the more time I let go by, you know, which is kind of weird, but, um, it's, it's, it's just kind of something that helps. Second thing is, like I said, um, I will usually attempt rather than a letter or a response. If it's someone I, I see or have the capacity to see, it's face to face meeting, always face to face. Um, you can't really deal with things in a letter or people try, people a lot of times, um, I, I watched some church leaders recently texting each other and I got included on it. And then some emails, and I, I just had the guy who sent it to me I say, hey, man, you got to stop doing this um, written. You need face-to-face. You need to be able to see each other. And a lot of times people are a lot harsher. Um, they might have a little oh, totally. bit of paper courage, you know? Oh, yeah. I call it paper courage. Look at the Internet. Facebook, <laughs> this whole last week since the shooting, is like the courage of the Internet, including right. myself. Right. Well, you know, so – do it face to face and listen, you know, start off by listening. 
And you don't even have to have an answer. You could even say, well, you know, okay, thanks for sharing what you had to say. I'm going to need to go away and think about that and process and pray about it. Now, what you've done is you've let them feel heard. You haven't defended yourself. And you've let more time go down. A lot of times people just need to, you know, dispel their, their shotgun blast, you know, just they had a charge that needed to go off and they feel better. And they're, whew, thank you so much. I feel better. You may not even have to respond and people are better. But then when you do respond, you can come back and say, hey, you know, thought about what you said and you'll have time to sort through what was important, what was fair, what was unfair. I wouldn't bring up all the things that weren't fair. I'd just say, hey. Thought about everything that you said. It, there's no right or wrong. I can't give you a formula for how to, to respond back. But normally what I'll do if I haven't responded right then, because sometimes I know already what I'm going to say. But um, a lot of times when you meet face-to-face, that person gives you a perspective. I often find that greater clarity comes from what people are saying um, that really helps me. Like um, there's been times where I felt falsely accused of something. And when I meet together with them um, and they express it, it makes more sense. And I feel like, oh, oh, okay. Because when you sent me that email or that text, gosh, that seemed harsh. And they go, no, no, no. You know, so it clarifies as well. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, like I said, uh, the church planner, um, there are ways to deal with it. There are times where you can restore the relationship. There are times where the relationship cannot be restored. There are times I've learned that there are people that simply they have an issue. Sometimes what you're dealing with isn't your issue. It's their issue. And you become the target. I I knew a couple who um, wherever it was, they would – they would fight like cats and dogs. And I, I found this pattern often that people who attack leaders, um, couples that attack leaders, normally their marriage is terrible. And I've, I've almost 100% of the time found this to be the case. And what they do is when they church hop from place to place, they will, uh, they will unite against the common enemy. And so often an authority figure, it could be that the male and the female or maybe one of them has an issue with maybe they got daddy issues or whatever. And you're the authority figure and being in church, you're a soft target. And so they will really unite against you because they won't do it against their boss at work because he's not a soft target or other authority figures in their life. Um, But they'll do it with you. And when that happens, what ends up – you know, a lot of times they're just going to move on. And so you have to, in some ways, you have to kind of come to the realization that some people are just never going to be able to please, and that's just going to happen. Cool. I think we beat that one to death. I think so. There at the end, yeah, you betcha. Yeah, yeah. I saw you going, hurry up, hurry up. But I also know that people are going, wow, that that's actually pretty insightful. There are going to be people that they're going to be, oh, my gosh, I didn't notice that. But, hey. Helps could not be. to be 20 years old in this game right now. I'm just saying. A little be. bit of mileage behind me. Yeah, could be. You start ba-ba. seeing a pattern. Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Pete, you know, um, doing all this uh, confronting and learning to live with people, uh, you know, impugning my motives and misjudging me, sure doesn't leave me for a lot of time for doing the taxes and the accounting for my church plan. I don't know about you. I don't know because I don't do that stuff, 
But I'll tell you this, what's more important to me is where we actually meet as a church. Oh. <laughs> okay, we'll do that one then. All right. <laughs> well, Pete. Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are we not doing the other one anymore? Well, I'm just saying we have to get in this one. It's yeah, I know, but we were supposed to do that one way earlier. So I, I don't know if there's still Don't look at me. I actually called them yesterday. I'm waiting. Don't look at me. I called them yesterday. They still right, got another right. month. So, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, when you're when you're doing Simplify Church, uh, SimplifyChurch.com, when they're doing all your bookkeeping needs, that frees you up to go look for a place. <laughs> I like how you did that. I like that. I like what was done there. I had to save it. And when I'm looking for a place, I want to know that I have more options than just a school or some crappy community center. I want to know that I can go where the people go, you know, where everybody knows my name. I want to be where people see, you know. What are we, cheers all of a sudden? That that is the movie theater. That's right. Regal Cinemas is offering church planners an opportunity to meet in a movie theater. You can find out more about that by going to corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater dash church. Now, when you type in theater, make sure it's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, like the British spell it, dash church. Again, that's corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater R-E dash choich. (laughs) Well, guys, it's only going to go downhill from here. It actually can't go any further downhill, but it's here. So let's end it. This has been Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. My next book is going to be called I Wish I Had Listened to Pete. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.